plans, and you can find those on the Church Church Center app, uh, the p- different plans that we're going through. I just posted one that's going to go all the way through Christmas, so we'll be re- I'll be reading reading that. But I invite you to read with me. And so as I'm doing that, I do that's the first thing I do in the morning when I get up. As I get up, go find my spot on the couch, and I will um, you know open up and do my do my devotions and just read scripture, read the devotion. And uh, this past week, it was just just scripture stood out to me and. In John, and so we're going to the book of Ruth today. We're going to go to Ruth chapter one. We're going to go to John chapter one, and then we're going to go to Lamentations chapter three. And so you can go ahead and start marking your place if you want to get ahead of the game, um, and start marking your place there. Ruth chapter one, John chapter one, and Lamentations chapter three. Um, but today I want to talk to you kind of out of where I've, I've been reading uh, in my my devotion and, and just kind of what stood out to me in John talking about grace. Um, before we get there, um, before we jump into Ruth here, um, how many of you guys you watch Seinfeld? Anybody watch Seinfeld? Seinfeld people, you know, remember Seinfeld? Some of you that will actually admit to it, you know. Okay, uh, I, I, we we watch Seinfeld. It seems like there's nothing good on anymore, and so we just kind of go back and watch the same things over again. How many of you remember the episode where Kramer, uh, Jerry's about to buy a new car? But Kramer goes to the car lot to test drive the car because he always borrows Jerry's car, and he wants to make sure that the car he borrows is a good car. Anybody remember that one? All right, it's, it's great. Let me tell you about it. So, <laughs> so he he gets in this car. Uh, Kramer does with the with the uh, salesman, and he says, "Listen, if if my friend Jerry's going to buy this car, I've got to test it. I've got to check it out. Got to make sure it's going to be a good car because I'm going to be borrowing it." a lot and so they they get on the road and salesman thinks they're just going to make a loop you know around the block come back to the car dealership and mr kramer looks at him and says nope he's like if i'm going to borrow this car i've got to drive it kind of how i drive it and i've got to drive it out to where i'm going to drive it and so he gets it out on the expressway and they're driving out on the expressway and that gas needle they didn't have a whole lot of gas in it when they left that gas needle just keeps creeping down just keeps creeping down and uh, sooner or later, it just be kind of becomes this game that the car, car dealer, he's just like, all right, I don't know. I'm, I'm terrified now. I don't, how far can we go on, a, on, on empty? How far can you drive this car before it runs out of gas? And they go the entire episode trying to drive this car as far as they can go. And they get to the end of the episode, and they're getting ready to get off the freeway, getting off on the exit to take it back to the car dealership. And they just kind of look at each other and have this maniacal laugh, like, let's just keep going. And so they pull up back onto the freeway and keep going, you right? And how many of you know that's Hollywood? How many of you have ever run out of gas before? Yeah, I've run out of gas before. I've had staff members run out of gas in the van. I remember Pastor Adam called me one day, and it's like, he's like, uh, hey, uh, can you uh, come bring me some gas? And I'm thinking, dude, it's got a gas needle in it. How do you not know that the F is full, E is empty? You know, E does not mean enough, okay? And so if you're confused about that, E does not mean enough, right? And so... Uh, I've had to take take gas in them. I did run out of uh, gas in that van myself because the gas needle was busted, all right? And I ran out right out here in front of uh, Publix before they four-laned it. Uh, I went to turn in that van, and it died as I turned. And so I was just dead sitting in there, and I couldn't back up because people were going around me, and I didn't have enough gas to get across. So I just blocked both lanes sitting there and said, thank you for coming to New Life Church. We're blocking all the lanes today. 
So, yeah, that's why if you wonder why we don't have anything signifying New Life Church on our van, that's why. <laughs> Sometimes we don't want anybody to know. <laughs> no, uh, I want us to go to the book of Ruth in chapter 1 because uh, you can only go so far on empty. You can only run so much. You can only go so far, and after a while, you're just depleted. After a while, more than just a tank of gas and more than even just a physical thing, uh, sometimes you run out emotionally. Sometimes you're just done. Sometimes you're ready just to kind of um, tapping out, right? Because I've gone as far as I can go. I can't, I can't take any more, can't do any more. And that's kind of where we pick up the story in Ruth today with Naomi. And Naomi has had a bad, just a bad experience, a, bad, a bunch of bad experiences. Uh, she's lost her husband. She's lost her two sons. And really that has not only broken her heart, but it's left, in her, it's left her destitute. She doesn't really have anything. Um, there's no income. Uh, she doesn't have an inheritance uh, because there's, there's no sons. And so all that stuff's supposed to go, go to someone else. And so there's, this really has left her destitute. And in chapter 1 of Ruth, she is, Naomi basically is telling her daughter-in-law, says, listen, go back, go back home. Go back to your parents. Go back to your family because there's nothing for you here. And they kind of go back and forth, and one of her daughter-in-laws does go back home. But one says no, makes a commitment, just as a, an amazing display of faithfulness and loyalty. Uh, and that's why the book is entitled Ruth, because it's about her commitment to say, you know what, I'm going to go with you. Wherever you go, that's where I'm going to go. And where you lodge, that's where I'm going to lodge. Where you stay, that's where I'm going to stay. And your God's going to be my God. And so this is kind of where we pick up the story of these two ladies, of Naomi and Ruth, in Ruth chapter 1, beginning in verse 19. And so the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they went, they came to Bethlehem, and the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman said, is, the women said, is this Naomi? And she said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara. Mara means bitter. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly. It's a play on the words. Has dealt with me very bitterly. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Anybody kind of ever felt like that before? Ever felt like, I went out full, and now I'm done. I went out with a full tank, now I'm out of gas. I went out and... And some, some of us know what that feels like. And see, so Naomi had not only just kind of run out of gas in a sense, she had run out of patience, and it seemed like she was running out of hope. She didn't know exactly what was going to happen. She didn't know exactly where to go. All she knew is, you know what, I'm going to go back to where I came from. I'm going to go back to Bethlehem. Bethlehem, uh, who knows what, what might happen, maybe something to happen, but she really has kind of run out of options, and she doesn't have much to look forward to. And when you're in this position, you've kind of run out of gas. Sometimes when you're empty, it's difficult to see the good. It's difficult to see miracles, and it's difficult to see the blessing. Anybody, you've been there? Just kind of, you, you've, you've been in this state, and it's difficult to see anything happening good, and it's difficult to see the miracles, because we're surrounded by miracles, guys. 
We're surrounded by, by miracles that happen all the time. The simple fact that life, uh, that, that we have life in, in this universe and, and just on this planet, that's a miracle in itself. I mean, astrophysicists are looking for planets that can, uh, that can just uh, sustain life, and they've not been able to find it. You know, and so, you know, it's a miracle that we have this this little rock that we've been thrown through space on and that we've been sustained in this. And so when you begin to look, there's miracles that we're surrounded by. There are there's good things that we can see happen and there is blessing in our life. But when you're out of gas, it's tough to see that when you're running on empty. It's tough to see that. That's exactly where Naomi was at. She said, listen, I went out full and God has brought me back empty. God has brought me back, and I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm down, I'm, I'm out. There's a lady by the name of Dr. Julie Lewis. She is a uh, neuroscientist from West Virginia University, and uh, she said this. Basically, she, she did this study of when, what's happening when people are running out of gas just emotionally, and they're drained, um, the signals and the signs that take place, and she said there's about five to six things that you start seeing when this is happening. It says the first thing that you'll see is this, is that uh, you become easily irritable. Anybody, you been there? Anybody been irritable this last week? <laughs> you burned your turkey, you dropped your turkey, the dog ate the turkey, you know, you know, maybe somebody got the last pecan pie, I don't know, you know, I don't know why that keeps coming back up. You're easily irritable, right? <laughs> she also said this. She said, that's a, that's a sign. She says, you can also see that maybe uh, the breathing becomes more shallow in someone who is kind of running out of gas. They're, they're running on empty. Um, it becomes hard to concentrate. And that might be why it's, it's, it's easy for us to miss the good things that God is doing. It's easy for us to miss the miracles and miss the blessing and miss the good is because we're just kind of running out of gas. We're, you know, our, our body and, and our mind are, are limited and, and it begins to cap our capacity. And so we begin to miss things and it becomes hard to concentrate. Um, she said also your workouts can feel way harder. I mean, after a week of Thanksgiving, isn't that not hard enough, right? So your workouts will feel way harder when you are running out of gas. You're running kind of on empty. She said you can also, you'll carry excess tension, not just like everyday type tension, not just like everyday type stresses. You'll have extra stress. And so you'll carry that. You'll feel this in, in the neck, the back. All these things begin to kind of surface. And the last thing she said is this. She says, and you, you won't sleep well. So that's a sign of, of when you just know you're running out of gas, kind of running on empty, that, that you won't sleep well. And I don't know about you, I've been there where you wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning and you are trying to tell yourself, please, God, let me go back to sleep. Please let me go back to sleep. But what happens? Your mind gets, gets cranking up, right? You start thinking about things. You know, you're trying to solve problems. You're trying to, you're trying to figure out what to do with so-and-so and this relationship and that. And, and this, these are basically symptoms. These are signs, um, and they're issues. They're basically indicators that there's something wrong. Now, for you, you would not get in your car and see the, the gas needle be on E and just be angry at the gas needle. Does anybody? Nobody does that, right? Now, I'm just mad at the gas needle. Why, why does the gas needle need to read that? You know, why can't it read full, you know? We understand that if we want the gas needle to read something else, we're going to have to put gas in the tank. 
But see, sometimes we don't always get that when there are signals with our body, when there are things that are going on and we're running out of steam and we're running out of gas and we're just depleted. And, and, and we don't see that. Maybe we try to treat the symptoms or we try to deal with the surface issues. See, you will always have surface issues until you address the source issue. You will always have surface issues until you really address what's going on and address the source issue. And so what is the source issue? The source issue is that I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm out of gas. How do I become full again? Now, if you go through and read the rest of Ruth, you'll see that, that at the end of the book that God does. He brings Naomi full circle. No pun intended, right? He brings her full circle. She goes out full. She comes back empty. But God has a plan of not leaving her empty. He's got a plan of pouring into her life and filling her with what she needs. And what you see is at the end of that book of Ruth that she has given this grandson. She has given this, this grandchild. And they don't even go lay it in the lap of Ruth. They go and lay this child in the lap of Naomi. Because now she has come full circle. And God has poured into her. So what does that look like for us? How, how do we deal with that when... This time of year, and I love this time of year. This is a great time of year. It's, what's the song? It's the most wonderful time of the year. See, Taylor, there's your Christmas song. There you go. All right? And so I love this time. This is a great time. Uh, I love Thanksgiving. I love Christmas. But it's busy, right? Uh, you're on the go, 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 go. If, if, how many of you guys just traveled, tried to hit all the places on Thanksgiving? You had like 14 homes to hit. You know, I know we were trying to hit all the places. We made like this big triangle around South Georgia. And um, uh, we get it. We understand that. You know, maybe, maybe you went out and anybody crazy enough to do Black Friday stuff. Black Friday shopping? Yeah. You know what, you know what they call Saturday? Broke Saturday. You go Black Friday shopping, you're going to have, uh, you know, broke Saturday. So, you know, there's a lot of things that stress us out. There's a lot of things that kind of push us to the edge. This is a season that can be great or this is a season that can be difficult. This is going to be a season that can be difficult because maybe this year, maybe you've lost someone this year. And, and this is the first Thanksgiving without them. This is the first Christmas without them. And you're ha hitting all the firsts without this person or these people in your life. And that can be difficult. And those, those can be moments it just seems like I'm, I'm done. And that's exactly where Naomi was at. She was all this loss, all this loneliness. But God had a better plan for her. And I want us to go to John chapter 1. Because this is really kind of the, the core of what I wanted to talk about. This is where I was reading in my devotion this past week. I want us to go to John chapter 1, beginning in verse 14. And John is writing his account of the life of Jesus, and it looks different. It sounds different. His, his account doesn't sound like Matthew, Mark, and Luke, right? Those, those gospels, they sound and look a little bit different. John starts out with this kind of this lofty saying, you know, of in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, you know, and it's like, that's not how Matthew started. That's not how Mark started his gospel, you know, and, and so he's got a different way of telling the story. And if you get down to verse 14, we get here and he, he says something. He says, and the Word, talking about God, talking about Jesus specifically, the Word 
became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt that you see there is also uh, can be uh, basically translated as tabernacle. That, that the word uh, became flesh and tabernacled among us. He said, that's weird. Nobody says that. But what was the tabernacle? The tabernacle was what preceded the temple. The tabernacle was what God gave Moses instruction to create and build and pull all the stuff together and have the craftsmen to make this tent that he was going to live in, in the desert, in the middle of his people. And so what they would do is they, create, they created this tent called the tabernacle where God's presence was, the Ark of the Covenant was. And, and the prescription given to um, the children of Israel was this. It says, basically, what I want you to do is I want you to line your tents up around my tent. I want you to set up your tents in an order. And it was not just kind of haphazard. They actually had an order of how they had to do this. And they had to do it by tribe. They had to do it by family. And so they would, if you would look at this, this kind of this setting from above, you would have this big tent tabernacle in the middle and then around it kind of in concentric circles. You would have all the Israelites that were encamped around God's presence. And that is the idea that John is throwing back to here. He says the word became flesh and came and lived right in the middle of us. The Word became flesh and came and tabernacled among us, came in the center of us. And he goes on and he says this. He says, we have seen His glory. Glory is only from the Son, from the Father, full of grace and truth. And John bore witness about Him and cried out, this was He who, who I said, He who comes after me ranks before me. What does that mean? That basically Jesus was younger by age, but the quality of the ministry that he was bringing, John says, I'm just the herald of the king that's coming behind me. I'm just the guy who is crying out, there's one coming behind me. Who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. Verse 16. This is, this is kind of what caught me. He said, and from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. Now, how many of you like grace? Grace upon grace sounds really good. It's like pecan pie upon pecan pie, right? I mean, it's like Krispy Kreme on top of Krispy Kreme. I mean, if, if it's good, then let's just pile some more good on top of it, right? And so, but, but this thing is like, this is grace upon grace. This, this fullness that we have, we've received from His fullness. If we have anything, it's because He's got something. If, if we've got anything, it's because He's given it to us. If there's anything in us, it's because he's pouring into us. And so we have received fullness from him. And this is grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And this word grace, you've got to understand this, that the New Testament was written in Greek. Um, and John wrote his gospel in the Greek language. But John was Jewish so although John was writing in Greek, he was thinking in Hebrew. And so when you look at that word grace, you can translate that word grace as keros in, in the Greek. But you have to think, what did that really mean in Hebrew? Because that's exactly what John was thinking. He had these ideas of what grace meant. And grace in Hebrew is really made up of two Hebrew letters. And I want to share that with you just for a few minutes, what this looks like. Um, this, this word grace, which you look in the Old Testament, can be also translated as favor, uh, is, is made up of two letters, het 
and Nun. Het and Nun are the two letters that in Hebrew that make up this word grace. And they, the Hebrew language, you have to understand this about Hebrew, is it's a, it's a picture language. So all the characters early on in ancient Hebrew, they're a picture of something. And so the picture that you get when you get hit, that, that first uh, is uh, that first letter is is the picture of a fence. It is the picture of being in a community, and so that's that's what calls back when when he says, and the word became flesh and what tabernacled amongst us, you know, lived among us. This is what he's talking about. He's talking about in the middle of all these tribes that made a circle and a ring. Basically, there's a family. There's a community. And what he's inviting you into, and this was, this was even beyond this, uh, the, the Bedouin tribes that lived in the desert, they would do the same thing, that when they would travel with their tribe, that when they would set up camp, they would set up camp in such a way where they would circle up and create a fence. And if you ever got invited into the tent, that was a big deal because you were being invited into someone's family. You were being invited into someone's community. And, and, and so this is the idea of grace. This is the picture that John has given us of grace. What is grace? Grace is an invitation to join the family. It's an invitation to come into the inner circle. It's an invitation. And so this is that first letter. It gives you a picture of a fence. It gives you a picture of there being protection, but also there being community. The second word there is noon. And noon is the picture of a seed. And you can go Google this stuff, and you can go see the, the ancient Hebrew letters and kind of see, you know, what does it look like. It almost looks like a little, um, a little uh, sprout uh, growing up from, from the ground. So this is a seed. It means newness. It's a continuation. What was, what was it that Naomi was afraid of in, in the book of Ruth? That she had lost her husband, she had lost her sons, she had lost everything and the line of her family would stop. That was it. She's done. Your story ends here. It's over, Naomi. But God had a better plan. And this is what favor and grace looks like because he had a plan of saying, you know what, I know that you've been through it, Naomi, and I know that you, you said you've gone out full and I've brought you back empty, but I want to give you fullness again. And at the end of the book of Ruth, when they lay that little baby in her lap, it says that she became the nurse for that child, that there was a fullness in her again. And this is what God does. This is what grace is. Grace is an invitation to come to a relationship so that we can receive the fullness that we can't generate in ourselves. See, that's something you have to understand. You can't generate this in yourself. Some of us, we want to say, well, you know, I just need to snap out of this. You try to give yourself a pep talk. You try to psych yourself up. You just say, this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to do this thing. I'm just going to bump, and I'm going to punch it in the face, and I'm going I'm to grit through it, right? Anybody ever tried to do that? And it got worse? And, and we try to talk ourselves through this. You just got to do this. You just got to do it. But I can't be my own source. And, and that's, that's the thing here. I can't generate that for myself. And this is why John says, what did he say? Verse 16, he says, and from who? His. From Jesus. From his fullness. Because why? He's already described them as being full of 
grace and truth. He says, from his fullness, we all have received grace upon grace. So this invitation to you this morning is this. It's, it's an invitation into the family. It's an invitation into the circle. It's an invitation into God's home. It's an invitation into relationship. It's an invitation into his rest. How many of you need some rest? You know? Hey, it's an entire commandment. <laughs> There's an entire commandment dedicated to rest, right? So don't feel guilty about taking that nap today. Go do it and bless God. Take a long one, right? He, he, said, he wants you to have rest in your life. So it's an invitation to rest, and it's an invitation to strength. I'm going to ask somebody to come play. See, Jesus doesn't want to just become a resource. He wants to become the source for you. And there's a difference. Resources are things that we take and we use, and you know what? When we're done with it, what do we do? We discard it. We cast it aside. We move on. But that's not who we serve. We don't serve the God that we use because that's, that's just the model of the world. The model of the world is that we use each other. The model of the world is that we abuse each other. And so when we're done with each other, we cast you off and we cast you aside. And some of you know what that's like. Some of you know what that's like to be used and abused and cast aside. That's not who Jesus is. Jesus says, I'm not just your resource. I am the source of your life. I am the source of your joy. I am the source of your fullness. I am the source of, of the grace upon grace that I want to just layer into your life to help you see that there are miracles and there are blessings and there's so much good. So if you're running on empty, there's an invitation to every one of us to become full again. Stand with me. The last Scripture I have here is Lamentations chapter 3. And I love, I love this. Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations is a book about crying. That's basically what um, Lamentations means. To lament is to cry, to weep, to wail. And so this is a book of crying, right? And Jeremiah the prophet is traditionally the, the author of, of Lamentations. And he writes this, he pins these book in a sense in a response to watching Jerusalem be destroyed Babylonians came in crushed everyone sent his people into exile destroyed Jerusalem and so he's, he's sitting there Jeremiah he's sitting there and he's like this is what I've seen there's nothing left it's empty this place is empty this is what I love what he writes in verse 19. It says, remembering my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall, that's bitterness. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. He feels it so deep. He feels it way down deep. He goes on, though. He says this, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new and fresh every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. Even in the middle of having everything taken from him, even in the middle of seeing the place that he loved destroyed and trampled, he's able to look and say, but God, you 
are full. Even though right now I feel empty, you are full and you will bring me to fullness. And so this morning, maybe you got up and you, you were struggling. God's word says there's a new mercy for you today. And not new and just like sometimes we get new things and it's not really new. Anybody, you ever bought a used car? And people say, oh, you got a new car. Yeah, it's new to me, right? That's not what this is. That's not like, well, it's new to me. It was somebody else's yesterday. No, what this means is it's new. It hasn't ever existed before. And so I am giving you something that is brand new, that is fresh, and it's yours. And it's for today. And tomorrow when you get up, there's going to be enough for you tomorrow. Because I'm going to pour out of my fullness. I'm going to pour out of my joy. I'm going to pour out of my resource. I'm going to pour out of my generosity. I'm going to pour out because whatever you need, that's who I am. That's the God I am. I am the God that's not just your resource. I am the God that is your source, period. 